And it's fine to use these tools and techniques. But as you said, when you get the information back from them, think, do the analysis of it, look at it, check it. Don't just randomly send it out as that's that's the gospel. What are going to be the second, third, fourth, fifth order effects of what we decide to do? Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. Hello and welcome to the show, and here we are again in the studio at Phonic Media, and I'm back with Mr. Hoffman. Bryce, I was looking back through some of our old videos, and early on, we were looking at cognitive biases. We were. We were indeed. So I'd like to look at some more because I thought they were really good episodes. Yeah, you know, interestingly, we originally planned on alternating every week doing a guest and then us talking about cognitive biases. And somehow we got a lot of guests wanting to be on the show, which is great because we've been having some wonderful yeah, guests, as you know. Really cool. But I do, I do think it's important to talk about cognitive biases. So looking back, thinking about the ones that we've covered, we've covered normalcy bias, we've covered... Status quo, status quo bias, bias confirmation, confirmation bias, bias, political bias, political we did bias. One of the guests, yeah, uh, with, with Professor Ben Flubiurg, and um, here's one we haven't covered, which is bandwagon effect. I think we should cover the bandwagon effect. There you go. Let's see what I did there. I do. <laughs> oh, you jumped on the bandwagon. Yes. You got it. You got I, it. it took me a second. It was a little slow. They had a big lunch. Yeah. Well, you know, jet lag too. I'm here in London. This is true. Uh, but, and very happy to be here, but the, uh, the bandwagon effect is one we see all the time in businesses as well as in other organizations and in our personal lives mm -hmm. too. And as the name implies, and as Marcus just ably demonstrated, the bandwagon effect refers to our tendency when, when other people are doing something, we get, we get afraid of being left behind. And so we want to jump on the bandwagon and yeah. do it too. And at an individual level, this is this is what's responsible for so many trends, so many irrational <laughs> trends. You know, uh, my children like the bandwagon effect, right? You know, but like you know, where is where, wh why were there suddenly fidget spinners everywhere a few years ago? I know. You know, is because because kids saw other kids with fidget spinners and they wanted one too. Yeah, it's but a great marketing ploy. At some point in our brains, we still have that little kid mentality, yeah. and we see oh. Oh, what does he have? What, what does she have over there? I want that too. What am I missing out on? And there's the, the conversation doesn't go like, is that something that would benefit me? No. Is that something I need? It simply goes, ooh, I want that too because everyone else has yeah. that. It's how, you know, you and I are both children of the 80s. That's how we got acid wash jeans. Absolutely. I mean, in what, in what sort of rational, and look, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm going to own this. I, I, I had plenty of pairs of acid wash jeans and I thought they looked pretty cool at the time. Yeah. But I mean, in what sort of rational universe does it make sense to pour bleach all over jeans and, and, and structurally weaken them because it looks kind of cool, right? Because we so all did it. We all did it, yes. <laughs> and, and we were cool. That's right. Just keep telling ourselves that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they'll be back. But oh, always, full circle. <laughs> but you know, this is the thing is so, so people see stuff and they want to do it. Now, as we've said before, when you get individuals together in groups, 
all of these cognitive biases get amplified. Mm-hmm. Big time. And so when you get a bunch of individuals in, a, in an organization like a Fortune 500 company where you've got tens of thousands of individuals and they all are looking across at their competitors and other companies and saying, oh, they've got this. Everyone's switched to fill in the blank. Yeah. You know, everyone's everyone's suddenly using Microsoft Teams now. And, you know, so maybe we should use Microsoft Teams. Not No dig on Microsoft Teams, we're just picking on, you know, people yeah. start to want what to do what others are doing. And often it, they do this in a way that precludes them from having a rational, objective discussion about whether that's the right thing for them to do. Yeah. And I would submit that this is yet another reason why so many business transformations fail. I was just going to talk about business transformations. Talk about business transformations. Because, again, we've asked clients, why are you doing this? And they pause for thought. And Because McKinsey told us because, to. <laughs> exactly. Because we were told that our competitors are doing right. this. We're seeing XYZ happening in the sector. So we feel we should be doing it. If not, we're missing out. We're going to get left behind. And you know why McKinsey does that too? I know you do. Yeah. But because then they can take the report that they did for the competitor and just put their logo on it. Know, right? And they don't have to do the oh, work. Boys, you tell the story about, uh, I don't mean to go, and, oh, I do mean to go and bash Oh, we do, we but, do. But, but yeah, so you, saw that. you get the report, you get the shiny PDF and it's all created for company X. And then the consultancy takes it away. They remove the branding and the coloring and the livery of company X and they go to company Y and they rebrand it in the company Y coloring. Tell the story that you told me about when you you worked for one bank and then you went to another bank and got the same report. You'll know I was head of agile at a certain bank for a few years. And then obviously I left, moved on, worked with you. And then we were into uh, another big bank, weren't we? And I was having a a deep dive session with a team and... uh, I just said to myself, you guys had consultancies in? Because the way you're talking sounds familiar, should I say. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've had some in. They said, they gave us this document. I said, could I, could I have a look at it? And uh, they gave me this meaty document that I looked through and quick flick through it. It looked familiar. So I had a bit of theatre. I said, I can guess which consultancy this came from. They were like, how could you possibly do that? And I was like, look through. I said, this smells like... McKinsey. And they were like, how do you know? I said, trust me, turn to page 34. It's going to tell you about organizational design in the company. 34. How do you know this? Turn to page 17. It's going to talk about how you use sprint goals to achieve your outcomes. How? 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 Come on. How do you know this? I said, because that's the same document I saw in another bank four years ago. <laughs> Today it's red. It was then green. <laughs> and this goes back to exactly what you're saying. And I'm not lying. But it, it's that bandwagon effect, isn't it? That this works, we can sell this to clients. Right. And they'll want to jump on because they're missing out. Their competition is getting ahead of them. And therefore, you leap on the bandwagon without questioning why. Right. It's your favorite question. Yeah, exactly. Why, I still maintain, is the most powerful word in the English language. Yeah. And yet, most people don't say it often enough. And you look at, you look, this is why, I talk about this in the book. This is why you see these waves of things the next big thing sweep through businesses worldwide all the time. You know, Lean Six Sigma, design thinking. These are, look, these are good things, but the reason they sweep across in waves is because everybody else is doing it. Yes. And Chat GPT of late. Chat GPT, yeah. yeah. How many people are just, a, are just are just using it because they've heard so much about it without having 
thoughtfully thought about the way that they could use it, yeah. what the real opportunity is in their organization. And, and that's the difference. And when you, when you succumb to the bandwagon effect, what you're not doing is actually thinking. When you succumb to the bandwagon effect, you're just saying me too. Yeah. You're just, you're just saying ditto. You're just, you're just, you're a sheep. You're a sheep following the other sheep in the, in the field. Oh, conformity conveyor belt, as right. we talk about. And you see this, don't I? I used to call it the shiny, shiny. And I don't know if the magpie effect is something, but I saw this with a lot of executives where whatever the latest shiny thing is. Yeah, it's a bandwagon effect. Just another name for just the Just the same thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And and why are we doing this? Well, I think we should. I read about it today. It's the latest thing in technology. It's the latest thing in innovation. But why? Because I read about it. That's not a reason. That's just you learning and reading about something. Is it relevant to what we're doing? Because if you do yeah. jump on these things and it, and it can have a massive impact on time, cost, morale, output, because often you don't need it. Well, absolutely. And this is this is why, you know, if you look at one of one of our core tools that we teach is six strategic questions. And the first of the six strategic questions is what is the problem we're trying to How solve? How often have we stopped at that question? Right. Tell tell your story about uh, the, yeah. the shared our class yeah. another bank. <laughs> yeah. Banks. Yeah, banks are good at this. Again, we had a, a big strategy there was sending out to 25,000 people the following week. And I talked to them, think right, share. And then we went into six strategic questions. So I held a document up and I said, look, what problem is this document trying to solve? And there were eight executives in the room. And we used think right, share, so don't speak up, all take a pen and a post-it note and write down what you think this is trying to solve. How many executives were in the room? Eight. Okay, we're gonna take a break right now, folks. When we come back, I want you to think about how many different answers Marcus got to that question. Drum roll. Hey folks, Bryce here. If you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering, am I a red team thinker? We have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a red team thinker and what you can do to think more effectively to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score. Welcome back. So as you may recall, when we went to break, Marcus was going to tell us of the eight executives that he asked to explain what the problem that they were trying to solve with this plan was. How many different answers did he get from those eight executives? And the answer is? Well, I got one clear answer from all eight of them. Not. I got eight <laughs> different <laughs> answers. Yes. Eight different answers from eight different people on one document. I was like, why was that? We didn't even go beyond question one. We stopped there and then. And it was clearly evident, having read it, that it was just eight different documents fused together. They'd done their own little pieces, but they hadn't collaborated. They hadn't talked to each other. And they just used the magic of word, fused it together to then send that out. And the devastating impact that would have had to the 25, rest of 25,000 people globally who wouldn't have realized because they'd gone off and executed and that poor project manager downrange, he'd be getting his rag status up and it'd be amber or red and he'd be getting it in the neck. 
what's going on. And it wouldn't be until you did a deep dive and did the reverse analysis of why that it led back to that room that morning. So literally we stopped there and then, and they got a waiver for two weeks to rewrite the whole thing and understand why and get it right. Because that alignment, that clarity we talk about and that yeah. alignment of everybody was really important. But if you just jump on the bandwagon effect of, right, just send it out, it's fine. We're all happy with our bits. Well, no, the reason I wanted to bring it up with the bandwagon effect though is 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 not that. It's, it's that how often when people are doing these, these big business initiatives, doing the shiny thing, agile, scrum, yeah. Six Sigma, whatever, how often are they asking that question? What is the problem we're trying to solve? Well, just think about the word, agile transformation. That itself is nonsense. No company transforms to be agile. <laughs> You're transforming yeah. the organization and the people and the way everything within it. The outcome isn't we're all agile now, is it? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Everybody's but, hopping around on one right. nimbly like a <laughs> ducking and diving, you know, kangaroo. <laughs> but it, it's it's almost the, the craziness of when you when you stop and just look at things and go, that is absolutely madness. We why are we even writing that down, let alone doing it. But you don't stop and think. You jump on the bandwagon. Well, this is the thing that then. this is the thing that upsets me so much. And I'm just going to keep picking on McKinsey because it's easy. You know, <laughs> they publish a study that says they're the source for the for for the study that says that over 70 percent of, of business transformations fail. How what percentage of business transformations does McKinsey lead or help <laughs> support? A lot, probably more than 30 percent. You know, they're certainly not. It's certainly not like all of theirs are succeeding. Everyone else's is failing. A lot of those failed ones are ones that they're involved with. And we've seen it. We have clients who've used McKinsey to do this and, and it's gone off the off the totally. rails completely and they totally. haven't achieved the desired effect. And it's because of what you said. It's because they're just giving cookie cutter solutions. They're not thinking and the people who bring them in are not thinking. And it's just, you know, this is the thing that we keep saying. And I, I, I feel like I say this on every podcast, but there's it, it bears repeating, which is that in every organization, the answers that that organization needs reside within the organization. That's not to say there isn't a place for consultants. No, absolutely. There is. And, you know, McKinsey d can do some great work on, on looking at strategic opportunities and stuff, but it's just like AI. You know, AI can do some great work too at looking on. You know, I could, I could, I could pull up ChatGPT right now and say, you know, tell me, I have a textile business. What are the, what would be the benefits of expanding my operations into Southeast Asia? And and I would get an answer. Mm -hmm. But if I just went with that answer without thinking, that would be a pretty bad idea. And people are, that's the same way that people, you know, McKinsey may give you some great insights and stuff, but people aren't using them for that in most cases. Instead, they're abdicating the decision-making to them. They're paying them to yeah. make the decisions and they're paying them to do their thinking for them. And that's not. Exactly. Don't uh, outsource thinking. That's our don't motto. Don't outsource it. And even now we're seeing a great Memes and Machines podcast that Oliver Yonchev just started. They were saying on there that, Chat GPT is in even now starting to produce garbage. Right, because well, it's consuming itself. No surprise there, is there? It's going out to the internet trawling, of which we know most of it is garbage and lies on there. Yeah, but also an increasing percentage of it's generated by chat. By itself, exactly. So there's, you it's know, feeding back into the they're, pot. They're, they're, 
this has rapidly become a self-looking ice cream cone. And you Who know, knew that was going to happen. Eh? There's going to, you know, this is this is actually. I mean, we've done some work with. We work with some folks in the in this space, and this is a real concern. Is that like the the rapid proliferation of AI generated content on the internet is now tainting the 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 pool, yeah. tainting the well that AI which it draws from, from. which yeah. it draws from. <laughs> and, the irony. Yeah, and nobody, but again, nobody thought of this. No. This is, you know, people, you know, people need to think about how plans can fail. We teach pre-mortem analysis. We take, we teach the both the version that that Dr. Gary Klein developed, and the, and mm -hmm. then our further iteration of the, that that we've done with his permission. And one of the things that 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 pre-mortem analysis is designed to do is to help unpack the ways that plans could fail. And the ways that 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 what you decide to do could could have unintentional negative consequences, and I don't know if anybody used a tool like that when they started rolling out these these large language models, but I don't think that anybody really thought about how rapidly the proliferation of content from large language models was going to corrupt the wellspring that <laughs> large language models draw from, and so now. You know, I don't. I don't know how you how you solve for that now because it's it's happened so quickly. But it's just yet another example of of how a lack of thinking yields unintended consequences, which is why so many of the tools and techniques we teach, like premortem, like Swan Dive, are designed. Even like six strategic questions, yeah. get into what are going to be the second, third, fourth, fifth order effects of what we decide to do. Absolutely. And it's fine to use these tools and techniques. But as you said, when you get the information back from them, think, do the analysis of it, look at it, check it. Don't just randomly send it out as that's that's the gospel. Because as you say, it's invariably going to be wrong. Or if it's not, it's not going to be as good as it could be. But you can use it as a crux. It's a tool. All of these things are just tools and techniques to help you, the human decision maker, make better decisions and improve your decision quality. And you mentioned pre-mortem a couple of times there, one of our favorite tools, and we love Dr. Gary Klein. I was doing a pre-mortem with Aviva in August. And one of the questions was, Marcus, when's the right time to do a pre-mortem? And to me, the answer is always, before you have to do a post-mortem. Ah, yes. You know, yes. it's never too late. Obviously, right. always upfront, before you start executing, but whatever your downrange, and this led me to why, why I wanted to talk about this. If you're on the bandwagon, right, and you sense the hairs on the back of your neck are standing up, if you're not feeling what everyone else seems to be and it's not right, it's not too late. Don't let the bandwagon go off a cliff. Intervene, make the hard call, use these tools and techniques, suggest, hey, could we do a pre-mortem? Go and find it on the internet, it's all over. You can work out how to do it just slow people down before that cliff approaches. And if you do that, you've got an opportunity to pivot, you've got an opportunity to stop and get people off and then get back on again if it's the right thing or if not to get off and go somewhere else and do something different, which is the right thing for you. And as you said, that's just one of the many simple tools and techniques that exist in the toolkit that allows you to think and it allows you to do it in a collegial way it's not going to be you putting your hand up and getting a spear in the chest because you're the naysayer. Right. It allows you to engage people because, as you said, the answer lies on that bandwagon. 
if it's not in your head, somebody on that bandwagon with you careering towards that cliff will have the answer, but they're either too focused on where they're going and not seeing it. They're too fearful to answer, to put their hand up as well. But if you can help them do that, and whether you're the leader or whether you're the most junior person on that bandwagon, I think what we do is enable that voice to be heard and allow people confidently, goes back to confidence, to speak up and just apply the brakes. Yeah. That's all we need. You know, the other thing about bandwagon effect, though, and, and the other thing about countering the bandwagon effect is that if you can avoid hopping on the bandwagon in the first place. Always a winner. Well, not always. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes there's a reason why things are, you know, um, you know, popular. But if you can have a rational, thoughtful discussion up front about whether this is something that makes sense for your organization or not, but also what is the alternative? Because if you look at what the alternatives are, you may find that there's an opportunity to zig where everyone else is zagging. <laughs> yep. And you may find that this is an opera an opportunity for you to stand out in the, in your industry, in your in your marketplace, in whatever domain you're operating in, to to be a disruptor because you're mm-hmm. not you're turning right when everyone else is turning left. Yeah. And maybe turning right is the right answer, not turning left. And so as everyone else goes off there, you're like, see you guys. Yeah. And you you go in a different direction, you stand out, you differentiate, you're the one that found a different path, a different way forward. And that gives you something unique because you know, this goes back to good to great. You know, Don't compete in an industry if you can't be the industry leader in it. If you're following other people, Fast that should be yeah. a clue that you are not leading. Yeah. If you're leading, you're the one that's building the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. You're not the one that's hopping onto the bandwagon. Yeah. And again, I don't mean that, that, that to say that 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 it's always wrong to do that because there are times, you know, there's reasons why people switch to different things because they work and it, it makes sense. And you don't yeah. you don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. But just to have that con- and, and, and folks, this stuff doesn't take that long. I mean, you could spend you could spend half hour, an hour, ninety minutes yeah. having a no conversation about. Is this just because everyone else is doing this? Should we do it too? And that could be time that is really well spent that gives you an opportunity to to decide if you really should be jumping on the bad wagon or if there isn't a better way forward for you. So my advice to individuals and to organizations is before you jump on that bandwagon, stop and think. Be a thinking leader. Thank you for tuning in to The Thinking Leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode. There, you'll also find a link to our free assessments. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.